welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from PaintEd with Torlando. In this episode, Torlando talks with Ryan Naylor of Viva HR on creating a magnetic job advertisement. They discuss the importance of conveying your company culture, creating a job description that will speak to the job seeker, and where to place your job ads. This episode is sponsored by Develomark and Angie Leeds. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. So glad to be with you today. I've got a, another exciting topic to discuss with everybody today. Um, you know, I've been on this uh, hiring and recruiting kick lately, uh, mostly because uh, I just get so much uh, feedback from the industry, from folks in the Paint Ed group, uh, from the PCA office, that it's still just continuing to be a huge problem. Um, you know, we're, we're just having such a hard time right now finding people to, to, work, uh, to work for us. And so I want to attack this from as many different angles as possible so that you guys have as, as many ideas and best practices floating around your head so that uh, when you go out and put together a good uh, plan for hiring, um, especially as we're uh, as we have time here in the, you know, in the slower season to kind of regroup and to put a plan together for next season. Um, now is a perfect time to, to work on these things. So I'm, I'm bringing on uh, Ryan Naylor from Viva HR to talk to us today. Uh, he's got a, a really great software that uh, helps with this process. And uh, he's put a good amount of time and attention into becoming an expert in this area. Uh, before we get into the show, I just want to let you guys know that if you are uh, wanting to add to the listings of places where you could be found, I want to invite you to go to findapainter.org. Um, this is PCA's um, own directory of membership, and we are making it so that you can get found both as a contractor for hire, but also as an employer. And so you want to make sure that your listing is up to date. If you're a member of the PCA, you have this listing um, built in for free into your membership. Um, there is, uh, there are a couple of, uh, bells and whistles that, that can, uh, help your process a little bit better with the upgrade. Uh, but I just recommend going on there and making sure that your info is correct and making sure that when you type in your city, that you are being found amongst, uh, other members. So findapainter.org, really great resource for being found as a painter, as the name suggests. Go figure. Uh, episodes like this and more are all found on PCA Overdrive, where we have 400 hours of uh, wonderful video content. It's $5.99 a month. If you're not a member, it is free included in your membership. Uh, really, really wonderful resource. Of course, all of the audio of our podcasts are found on Spotify, iTunes, um, Google Play, SoundCloud, okay, wherever you're listening to podcasts. 
uh, make sure that you do me a favor and subscribe uh, so that you're getting updates on the latest episode. So um, we're going we're gonna to be talking a little bit more about, we're going to be kind of driving in a little bit on the advertisement itself. And the thing about the advertisement, the job advertisement, I feel like what people get wrong, there are a couple things that people get wrong. One is that they're just not putting it in the right place, meaning that uh, there are people searching for jobs and you're putting it in a place where they're not. <laughs> that's that's what it is. You don't know where to find. You don't know where to find the right people. The right people don't know where to find you. And because of that, uh, the wrong people are finding you. And uh, you, if if you are getting these hires, I mean, goodness, I mean, how many, how many times have I had somebody show up to an interview, uh, or hello, not show up to an interview? Okay, that that happened more <laughs> frequently than I, you know, than I cared to uh, admit. But you know, how many times do they show up and uh, they're just they're just not qualified? Um, you know, the you say, do you have transportation? And they're like, oh, I can get there. Well, yeah, how, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they give you, you, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, the pain we've all been there. And the truth of the matter is, is that we're not going to be able to grow our businesses until we find higher quality people. That's the fact. Until we find higher quality people, we are not going to be able to grow. It's going to be too hard. And, you know, do they need to have uh, a ton of painting experience in the world? No, uh, not necessarily, especially if you have really great training systems. Uh, but what really needs to happen is you need to be able to uh, message your company culture in a way that attracts the people who will add to it and build to it. And that's the kind of stuff that we're going to get into today. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to bring on Ryan Naylor of Viva HR. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? To Orlando. I love it. And I really hope people hear HR and they don't get super bored because we're going to, we've got some exciting stuff to go over, but. Are you I kidding know. me? You put Viva in front of it and that makes yeah, it a life, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing it. By the way, um, I met Ryan a couple weeks ago at a conference and he gave me uh, some swag. So I'm just going to do a little product placement here <laughs> with the Viva HR mug while I'm sitting. Perfect. Mm -hmm. He didn't pay me for that. Wink. <laughs> so we're going to make this exciting. Tell me, tell me, tell me all about how and tell me how, um, how did you get into this space? And, you know, what was that, that, that aching problem that you were trying to solve that you felt like you you were uniquely suited to solve? Oh, man, I love this question. Um, I don't know how far deep we want to go, but I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. I was on Shark Tank and it was really, a, yeah, I was. And it was an absolute failure. And that's, <laughs> you know, they talk about failures lead to like insights and discovery. I, I'm yeah. an open box about it. Um, I was, I was, you know, pleasured to have Mark Cuban call me a scam artist and a liar and everything else online oh, wow. you know, in front of a national audience on a primetime Friday night. But here's the reality <laughs> of it is they were getting Sorry. so frustrated on my scene. Yeah. I, I was out there promoting a product that I'd found in Italy and then and then we created a model version and sourced it in China. Anyway, I get out there and they were like, we hate your product. We think you're a liar, you're a scam artist. And and I'm sitting there realizing like I know who I am. 
It's yeah. really interesting that these guys are just throwing these like attacks on me. And then people are now going to think that that's true. It's not right. Like, yeah. You think about all, I, I guarantee a lot of the painters or people listening to this podcast feel that same way when they get a negative Yelp review or negative Google review. Like, this is not sure. an actual reflection on my effort and focus, except I was having it on a national scale on television. Wow. But, you know, going through that, I'm, I'm sitting there reflecting I'm literally as I'm on the magic rug, as they say in Shark Tank world, and you got 15 HD cameras pointing at you, bright lights, and they're screaming at you, trying to elicit a reaction, right? They're trying to yeah. get your emotions for good TV. And I just smile back at them because I'm, I'm sitting there saying to myself, you know who you are. You're yeah. an honest person. You're a father. You're a great husband. Yeah. You've got your spiritual and core values. You don't don't let these guys rattle you right and, and they get frustrated show ends whatever don't get a deal i go back to the hotel room and i'm sitting there reflecting on what just happened yeah and, and again i reflect why were you so calm in such chaotic turbulent environment and the realization goes is because i know who i am yeah. and the core values that i celebrate and i said to myself that's where you should spend your career do something mm. that reinforces your core values. And so I, I sat down on a notebook and I wrote out, what do I believe in? What are my, the things I'm most passionate about? And then I circled kind of the, the things, the similarities and grouped them together. And it yeah. all came back to one area. I'm a core advocate of the power of the family unit. Now, every mm. family looks different. It's got different mm -hmm. structure. But when you can actually take accountability of what your family unit looks like and, and make it the best every day that you can make it, that's power. Yeah. That's, that's an economy that flourishes, a society that reinforces values. And I'm a huge advocate of the family unit. And so I wanted to say, how do I, what disrupts the family unit? What breaks the family unit? Let's, let's go the other way. Mm -hmm. And it really came down to employment, right? Underemployment and unemployment can be one of the biggest divisive factors at the family fabric. And I mm. wanted to do something about it. And that's kind of what led me to create a, a purpose-based job board that really helped companies tell a story and, and really integrate their transparency of what they're going to be doing in hiring. And, and that ultimately was an Arizona-only platform. Mm -hmm. Here in Arizona, we just focused on this platform for about five, six years. And then we started doing some digging, mm -hmm. hit a major milestone. We were tracking every hire. We hit a hundred thousand hires, hundred thousand mm. families were impacted with employment. Yeah. Through our platform. We're like, this is, this is incredible. The way this is exactly what we envisioned. Yeah. Um, and, and so we decided to do some analysis, what lessons we learned because of it. And that's where we are today because of those findings, because of those learnings that led to a discovery of how do we teach small businesses, how to compete for talent against big corporations, big mm -hmm. corporations have bigger budgets. They've got better marketing dollars. They've got, they've got talent acquisition teams bigger than most small businesses. Right. 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 How do you compete to attract a players? And so yeah. that's why HR came out. We're like, you know what? Let's change the game. Well, and that, and that competition, I think, starts even before uh, kids are hitting the job market. You know, it, it starts with, well, you got to go to college. You got to go to college and do X, Y, and Z 
so that yeah. you can get a job doing, you know, one, two, three. Uh, but, you know, we've really skipped at now. I think we've skipped a couple generations of young people being interested and committed to the trades. And I think that you're right. It's because you've got universities with big budgets. You've got uh, enterprise corporations with big budgets that are pulling all of the, the, the you know, upcoming workforce. They're, they're doing a really great job of, of marketing themselves and That's attracting right. young people on a certain track. And the trades, because, uh, because we're not always very unified and because it's all small business, um, I feel like that makes us kind of drift off into um, obscurity when it comes to, you know, developing and growing and, and building a workforce of the next generation of people who are going to come in and do the trades. So, you know, that that aspect of just not being found, I feel like is is one of the one of the hardest points you I mean, is that something that you're seeing as well? You could have said it better. Obscurity is probably the number one reason that small businesses can't attract the right people. They don't have the budget for it. They don't know how to tell the right story. They don't know where to tell that story. Um, it's a major disconnect. And I think anyone yeah. listening to this right now is going to say, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, I know I put a now hiring sticker on my my service truck and I'm not getting many calls from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to do. I throw an ad on Craigslist. That's I'm getting applicants. I have no industry experience and they don't even know what they applied for. Indeed, mm-hmm. it's eating through my budget. I don't know where to spend money at this point. Like I, right. I'm out of options. And you, and then you, you add to that pressure, the shortage in labor, mm-hmm. right? So not only is it harder to get visibility, there's a major suppression of number of people entering the trade. So it's, is this trifecta problem? It, it really is concerning. Yeah. Yeah. So another another thing that we kind of talked about before we got into the show is like, okay, that you know, even if you know how to get found, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're putting a job offer out there uh, that's that's really attractive. I mean, I, I keep telling people almost every week on the show, I've mentioned that I, I drive by, I drive past McDonald's on the main road of my town, and they are, you know, it, at this point, it's starting at $16 an hour. Uh, you know, if you can work at McDonald's for $16 an hour, um, competing, you know, I mean, not, I mean, sure. I personally, I think painting a house is more attractive than flipping a burger personally, because I love it. It's one of my passions, but for somebody who is unskilled, who's for somebody who has a, in a certain image um, uh, you know, and, and I, and I'll tell you, you know, back when I was in high school, you know, I remember my math teacher saying, you know, you, you guys got to take care of your education. You got to go, you got to go to college because you'll be, you'll either be flipping burgers or working construction. And, and so like our, our education system has put trade workers in that same camp to the point where it just having the dollar amount which, you know, which $16 for an unskilled worker is that's, that's even that can be kind of hard to compete against. Um, cause, cause it's hard to make them profitable in the, like at McDonald's, you can make them profitable, you know, after about a day, but in, in the painting trade, uh, to, to have a painter become uh, profitable, it takes several, several months of training. It, it really, it's that first year 
before they they catch up to speed. Um, so so there are just so many challenges just in being able to get somebody who doesn't have the skill but maybe has the you know the the character, but then getting them to see the vision of why they would want to work in the trades. That is really difficult. That that I feel like the trades in general across the board, we haven't yeah. done a good enough job of making uh, making the trades look sexy enough for them. No, there's a major disconnect in the, the language that's used. You're right, at an even early age in education. I've got a fifth grade daughter. You know, right now in fifth grade mm-hmm. in Arizona, they talk about career. So they're doing a career day next week. And I started asking her and there was a list of all the different career options she could apply Mm -hmm, to. mm -hmm. Not one was in the trades and it just Mm -hmm. absolutely ticked me off that that wasn't even an option. And it's like, yeah, you want to choose it. That's fine. Let her live her life. Sure. But it's not even an option to anyone in that class. They've got 300 fifth graders from her school going to this, you know, employment, you know, role play, practicing, where you dress up, do an interview and you go through it. Really cool. Great experience. But the base assumption is they had a four-year degree and they're applying to, oh, I want to be the CEO of, you know, this and this. I want to be a CFO. Yeah. It, there's nothing in the trades. And, and that's frustrating, right? If, if there's somebody listening to this right now that's part of some trade associations at the micro level in their community, mm-hmm. you, better, you better work with a PR agency. Like you need to go tell the story. I personally was on our local Fox 10 network mm. and morning program and they said what are the top jobs right now for someone that wants to make two to three times more than what's considered kind of low income range are mm. there options for people with no schooling mm-hmm. is that even an option to get out of poverty i'm like yeah there is and i rattled off five trades with specific people and how much they're making mm. their jaws literally dropped when they're like you can make 90 grand as an yeah. HVAC technician oh yeah you can and people do it every single day and yeah. they have, they do not have a four-year degree. So I think it, you got to tell that story. You got to get out in, in front of the audience because the story is powerful and people need to hear it. No debt, right. great income, great lifestyle. It'll serve you the rest of your life. There's always going to be demand for it. It's, it's, uh, it's frustrating that people don't know that story. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, something that I've that I've mentioned on on this show, um, you know, quite often is that uh, when you're trying to put together um, that story, what you have to realize is that the person that's sitting across from you at the on the interview table, um, that they aren't living their life to solve your problems. And I Mm -hmm. think that sometimes when we put a job ad out there, and we say, all right, this is the description. This is what it's all about. This is what I need you to do. These are right. the problems that I need you to solve. And it's not enough about these are the problems that this company is going to solve for you. And I think that, you know, the, the, the plan that you've kind of outlined today, I think, talks about that. I think it really um, position, will position the contractor to start thinking in terms of how can I change this person's life? They are here for a reason. They are looking for a job for a reason. How can I change their life? How can I set them on a path to become that trade worker that's making 90 grand a year? Is that Have I made it even possible for that to happen in my company? Is it happening for me? I mean, that's another, that's a, 
another show. But yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so so let's talk a little bit about that. And um, yeah. and and let me ask you first, uh, kind of an underlying, you know, foundational question: How important is company culture when it comes to uh, writing that initial job description and, get, and getting that idea out there? Yeah, let me let me give you a short answer. It's incredibly important. You know, what's interesting is I share with you just a little history of kind of how we came to be Viva HR. Mm-hmm. This job board that we were running, the, the greatest thing about it, and truth be told, I mean, it was a passion project, didn't make much money on it. It was, mm-hmm. it was really a give back to the community. But the data that we received out of that was so immensely valuable. Now, here it is. We said, we want to analyze the top 5% of every job posting posted through our platform. This is like mm. five years of historical data, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people coming into our software, applying to jobs. So let's take the top 5% mm-hmm. that had the most candidates and the most hires. What did they consistently do? And we created a Dropbox folder of all their job descriptions and started just going through one by one. There's a little group on our team doing it. Mm-hmm. It took us days, if not weeks. It just yeah. read. We couldn't figure it out at first, to be honest. It was like our, our first assumption was this. They were willing to pay more. That's mm. why they got more candidates. No, that actually didn't turn out to be. In fact, um. over 50% of the jobs that were in our top 5% didn't even list their compensation range they didn't even say what their compensation range was so we're like no we have to throw that assumption out the second assumption we had is they were name brands people knew their name in the community no we had to throw that out too because very quickly we realized over a third were small businesses that didn't really ever advertise their own business Mm. so how the heck did our top five percent always get the best and highest volume of candidates. And it came down to an observation of all people was my data engineer. And he looked at it and said, you know what I found? The opening paragraph, look at it. So we started scrambling through it. The Mm -hmm. opening paragraph in the worst job postings were one-sided. They were a one-way street. What you are going to do for me Mm. as a candidate Here's what you're going to do for me as the employer. Mm -hmm. The best said, here's what we're going to accomplish together. Uh They set a vision of a purpose, of an outcome, and what we can accomplish when we are fully in stride one another together. We are going to create a workplace of confidence and trust. Yeah, your position is going to execute these roles and responsibilities, but the outcome is we believe in this, we believe in that, and this is what we can accomplish. Yeah. That's a totally different story. Right. Some people call it company culture. I call it human interaction. They're just being real. Mm-hmm. This, is, this, is, this is our focus. This is how employment should be. And candidates, they really resonate with that. Yeah. So you know, you, you mentioned like the, this idea of story and, uh, you know, being able to kind of tell a story. What, I mean, I, I think my audience knows that I, that I care a lot about story You know, I have the story brand, uh, you know, background and everything. Um, but what kind of story do we need to be telling 
to our prospective hires that is really going to resonate with them? Well, the interesting thing is it's public information. This is no hidden secret. I mean, Deloitte mm -hmm. does these surveys every year where they go and analyze the new generation of job seekers and people entering the workforce. I really, I really would challenge people just to take a few minutes of strategy time to say, if our biggest problem in our business is people, let's allocate some strategy behind. How do we attract better people? How do we attract A players? So going back to Deloitte, They've done this survey for years and years and years, and they go and they say, what do you value the most before you accept a job offer? They say that exact same question mm -hmm. that every year to a new generation of candidates entering the workforce. If you go back and look the last five years, they're all almost the exact same. We mm. care about flexibility. We care about a purpose-based business. We care about leadership opportunities and growth rate and its impact on society and, and how fast is the business growing. In the mm -hmm. top responses, it never comes down to compensation. It's assumed that they're going to accept a job that meets and exceeds their expenses for their life. Yeah. So let's just assume that. Yeah. So the story really comes on to how do you tackle what they're actually looking for? They're telling you. Deloitte mm -hmm. is giving you the recipe of what these candidates want. So create a job posting that addresses it. Call it out. I have, I have customers that, you know, have taken this advice and they'll call it out. You're probably looking for a workplace that offers flexibility, growth, and leadership opportunities. You found the right spot. Like just mm -hmm. call it out and it gets mm -hmm. their attention. And then when they go in to talk about the meat and potatoes of the actual role, the candidates, they're vested. They're like, they hit me emotionally. I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, right, right. So, okay. So then, so then, you know, the, the question I think comes like, how, how do you, what is the structure of the, the description itself? Like the job description, the placement, um, how do you, how do you apply storytelling principles to kind of I mean, because I feel like most job descriptions are like you have an opening paragraph and then you have like job duties and then you have information about like benefits is, is that I feel like that's kind of like your prototypical. But how do you tell a story through that structure or, or should we be thinking about throwing that structure out? Really good question. And and I know we don't have enough time for me to dissect it completely. But let me just tell you, it's there's an art and a science to hiring. The art is how creatively you can narrate this story that depicts the awesomeness of your organization and what a candidate can benefit from working alongside you, right? Mm -hmm. Like crafting that story, that's artistic. We gotta, we gotta do that. But then there's the science of it that says, how do we format the job in a way that job boards see this as the best job in the search results. Mm. It, just like a lot of them are focusing on SEO to grow their business in the mm -hmm. Google search. When people look for a painter near me, you know, they show up as high as possible. Same principles apply to job postings. In fact, mm. I would challenge anyone, pull out your phone right now and act as job seekers act. Mm. Go in and type in service jobs near me. And see what happens. You'll be mm. shocked to find Google's got their own job board now. 
Most people don't know that because they don't take the time oh, to look for jobs. They don't yeah. put themselves in the seat of the job seeker. Guess what? Google optimizes the listings of those job postings the same as they optimize and look for, you know, websites to rank when people are looking for services. Keyword nah. density is important. Having a job title that matches what the candidate is looking for. So having like really fun and artistic, creative job titles like, you know, you know, map the world with creativity and painting techniques is a job title. Sorry, people don't search that. Right. So, so we got to get back to the basics of what is it? What is a potential phrase or job title our ideal candidate is going to be typing in? That's yeah. question number one. And then the next science part of it is we got to integrate that job title three to four times throughout the opening paragraph or two mm-hmm. to get relevancy. So that when Google crawls it, when Indeed crawls it, ZipRecruiter, they see that that is the most relevant job ad to that particular searcher's phrase. I see. I see. That makes a lot of sense. And and so now, so you're mentioning, um, you know, Google has this. Uh, well, before I go there, let's. I, I actually I do want to dive in a little bit further here. Oh, no, so, <laughs> so okay. So the you know the science is you know having those those search results, those search phrases. What about the, um, you know, the tradition, the more traditional or common um, list of requirements, um, list of what you'll be doing? Are, do those things, are they, they useful? Matter. Do they help? Do they, yeah, tell me a little bit about that. They do. In fact, in fact, we internally have done a lot of um, kind of A-B testing with job postings. We'll do some without bullet points, some with, and we have found that this magic formula you have to have a minimum of seven bullet points in the formatting of your job posting to get the highest visibility in the job words. So mm. it does matter. So, so I think you use the opening paragraph to set the vision mm-hmm. of your organization, who we are, what we're aiming to accomplish together, and our commitment back to our people. Mm. The second paragraph says, in this position, you're going to learn X, Y, Z, and you're going to have the opportunity for growth in this, this, and this. So set the Mm. growth vision in the second paragraph Mm -hmm. and then get into roles and responsibilities and requirements, right? I see. Break it down. I love to end the, the, um, the job description with a little bit about what you can expect from us. So a Mm -hmm. lot of times those bullet points are all about what you're going to do for me. Yeah. So why don't you end it on a good note? What we commit to give you, we commit to give you an honest and fair compensation. We commit to work around life events. If you have a daughter's piano recital, you mm-hmm. better not be working when that mm-hmm. happens. That mm-hmm. matters to us. You be a dad, you be a mom, you go yeah. be, you commit to back to your family, right? Yeah. But we also commit to be honest, you know, an equitable relationship of, of honesty. And we're going to give you performance reviews. We expect you to give us feedback on a regular basis. That kind of commitment showing what you're going to give back to them, I think is important. Yeah. 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 That's, that's so good. And so, okay. So, so I, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. So you said, um, you know, about seven, at, at least seven bullet points, is that, uh, is that per section or is that um, uh, like total? That's total. That's the minimum. I, I okay. think a good rule of 
thumb is four to five per section though. Okay. I, I think that that's a good balance uh, to incorporate in the job posting. Got it. Got it. So you've got, you've got responsibility roles, four to five bullet points, responsibilities, four to five or is roles and responsibilities similar. You can, you can combine those roles and responsibilities. Okay. Uh, if you did kind of um, a day in a life of mm -hmm. a job title, mm -hmm. you know, here, break it down. Here's here's what your day looks like. Bullet point, bullet point, bullet mm, point. Mm -hmm. Here's the main responsibilities that we're going to expect from you. You have to accomplish this, this, and this. Here's some skills and requirements that we expect you to have. And and if you haven't, go find a bunch. Go find the list of the top sixty. I think it's sixty-two soft skills that are relevant to the trade mm. industry. Got it. They listen. They they act with integrity. You know, these are, sometimes we get scared, like, oh, well, I don't really care if they have experience or not, or even a high school degree. I just want someone willing to work. Mm -hmm. show, show that commitment on soft skills then, because I think when you have a problem with an employee, go back to your job posting. Hey, we, mm -hmm. we talked about time management is a very important responsibility for this role. And you've been yeah. late five days in a row, pal, same working. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, in uh, in in the business made simple training um, that I that I went through, we we there's a section uh, that we go through called guiding principles, and we talk about um, critical actions and key characteristics and developing those. And and so one of the practices that we do. So let's say we're trying to develop our key characteristics, which are things that um, we want our our team members to all kind of embody and and uh and and aspire to um uh what we would do in you know we do this with with other people as well is you just brainstorm all of the good positive human traits that you care about and just brainstorm list them all out just on a you know like on a whiteboard list as many as you can and then as you as you're going through pick three to four that are just the most important out of all the everything that you came up with um all of the the, the three to four that are most important that you feel are going to help you accomplish your mission you know serve the customer better and to grow as a company like what are those things what are those three to four things and i would say just kind of to add to what you're you know talking about here is that might be a good exercise for you if you're trying to create your um your you know yeah. roles and responsibilities and 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 value core values and things like that to just do that activity of brainstorming and then circling the ones that are most important and then have those be the the bullet points of your um of your of your description um yeah. and the same would go of critical actions you know what are the what are the three or four things that are most important for you to do every single day that's going to help everybody achieve success and and there you have your you know your basic job description well, I think you're absolutely right. So taking the time to be methodical about this is important. I, I would say we're talking about what, so I, I like to also brainstorm, here's what the good things you should do. We should also talk about the things you should not do mm. because it's equally important to know. It's just like in customer, like here's a good customer. We should also define what's a bad customer, right? Yeah, right bad job postings right now go to craigslist 
anything you see in the Craigslist marketplace should not be posted on the kind of professional job boards, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The tons of bullet points and asterisks and exclamation points and overemphasis and all caps, bad formatting, mm -hmm. and it's going to get blocked on Indeed. They've mm -hmm. got formatting elements in their AI that identify if it's a quality job posting or not. Exclamation points in your job title, boom, blocked. Oh, really? Yep. So people come to me and they can't they be take, excited. <laughs> yeah. They, they take their job posting, they put on Craigslist and then they copy paste it and put it on indeed. And they're like, we don't get any candidates from this. I'll tell you why it's pretty simple. Mm. Here's the thing is if you are hiring on Craigslist, awesome. Use those exclamation points. There's no limitations on it. Get some excitement, create some clickbait, sure. so to speak, get them in. Right. And then use some of the formula we talked about to emphasize culture. Put in some pictures of your team. Put in pictures describing a day in the life of the candidate. Mm. Be mm -hmm. the best Craigslist post that they saw. If you're going to pay $40, $50, in some markets it's $75 per post on Craigslist right now, yeah. you're gonna, if you're willing to pay it, make it awesome. Make it a legitimate yeah. advertisement. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so so that that you know brings me to my next question. Um, you know, because we're talking about Indeed, we're talking about Craigslist. Where where's the best place to share our our job postings? Well, far I mean, just I mean, I mentioned this earlier. Google's just eating everyone's lunch. They always and they always will, right? Yeah. Um, I did it to the travel industry. Now they, you know, if you try to look yeah. flight, boom, oh, we got Google flights now. Oh, oh yeah. you're looking for jobs now. We got Google for jobs. I mean, it just, it was natural. It was going to happen. But right. here's what's fascinating about Google for jobs. You, if you look on, on your phone, it's the most mobile optimized experience. They don't actually allow you to post the job through Google for jobs. Mm. You can only get listed through an approved publisher that publishes to Google for jobs. So an applicant tracking system is usually one of the easiest ways to get through there mm -hmm. are a couple specialized job boards that do integrate with it, but I would tell you, Google for jobs right now, find a publisher um, that will publish to Google for jobs is, is how you get that visibility. That's number one. That's where I people see. are spending time. The analytics are just showing that's where candidates come from right now. Um, Got it. And we can say that because we, we are agnostic. We publish to all these different job sites so we can look at that data agnostically uh, and say, where are candidates coming from? Oh, interesting. When two thirds of all traffic's coming strictly from Google, that means it's a power place. You've got to play those rules right. and get your job there. It's it's incredible. Um, you know, Indeed and ZipRecruiter are awesome. Um, they advertise an enormous amount. I think specifically mm -hmm. for the trades, you got to think the NFL professional basketball, baseball, these, these sports, MMA, you're seeing job boards are now advertising an enormous amount of money for commercials and mm -hmm. placement at those venues. You got to oh. think, okay, my, my employees, what do they care about? Well, historically trades are big into professional sports. And so yeah. you're seeing, you're seeing a bigger uptick in trades searches going to indeed and looking for jobs there, as opposed to, what worked really well five, six years ago was yeah. the list world. Not so much anymore. It's not quite as competitive. So are you saying that if, if I ever had an excuse to, uh, to be on a blimp, <laughs> it's for hiring? 
That's it. No, don't buy a blimp. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. But, but, let me, uh, let me but share yeah, no, I get what you're saying other, here. Yeah. A couple, of, a couple other random ideas. If you got outside of the tech world, outside of the job hosting world, mm-hmm. there's a couple of creative ways you can approach it. One thing we've seen um, a couple businesses do that we've we've mentored and coached, they go to where job seekers are. And a lot of times it's in the churches. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what denomination or faith that you practice in. Draw draw a circle. Okay, seven miles within a radius of our office or where our trucks are located or whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. Go find every single church. You know what? Most churches have job boards. Mm-hmm. Most churches have employment counselors or they have an employment pastor that that they that's one of their responsibility is how do we ensure the members of our congregation are actively pursuing quality careers? You should be taking them to lunch. You should be introducing your business as a trusted employer in the community. Mm. Go out there, go network. And now when somebody moves to your neighborhood and they go to church on Sunday or Saturday, whatever they go, and they say, hey, new to the area, looking for a job, they go, you know what? I know the perfect spot for you. This guy's well-connected, well-liked, it's painting, it's HVAC, it's whatever the trade is that becomes a referral source. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I never thought about that as a, as a direct strategy, but, you know, thinking about my experience, um, if I was ever getting a unsolicited referral for somebody looking for employment, it always came from church. Yeah. It was always, you know, it was always some young guy saving up for a mission trip or somebody, you know, just uh, like a refugee just got here from the country, you know, and they're looking for employment, they have painting experience, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, if I if I really think about the unsolicited referrals for employment, it, it wasn't the paint store, it wasn't by B&I group, it was it was church, it was always church. So that makes sense to be willing to extend even outside of your own denomination draw that radius and go around and make a relationship with other, uh, you know, with other churches and to, to help with employment, especially if you're hurting, uh, because they care about that. And, and I know from, you know, even from my own practice, I, I always know of people who, who, you know, need a job or something like that. So, um, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So last thing here. So, so, you know, or just to recap that last point in terms of where are we posting? Um, there are a lot of the online, you know, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, all those. But you mentioned Google, which I was not aware of. Uh, so that's new information for me, which I'm grateful for. Um, but even thinking outside of the digital sphere, going to the churches, being a part of your community, uh, serving, going out to lunch, and yeah. just being open and willing. So if we actually get good at getting the candidates, how do we manage the, the influx? Well, you have to be intentional, first and foremost. The last thing you want to do is be disconnected. If you, have, if you have good candidates that are following the process and you say, email your resume to this email address, and people do, and then you don't get back to them in a timely manner, it reflects mm-hmm. on you as the business owner. I'm sorry, but you're right. going to lose A players. Do you know what the greatest ways to get A players to leave your business? Is to attract mm. a bunch of B players. 
Mm. You're not going to attract A players by poor communication, poor process. So I think being very intentional about your systems and processes, have rules in place every Tuesday and Thursday from 3.30 to 4.30. I'm reviewing resumes. I'm following up with my candidate pipeline and I'm getting involved. I'm getting people on the phone. I'm texting them. I'm messaging them on Facebook. Like go out there and get connected with this talent because it breaks my heart. I, I also belong to some entrepreneurial groups. It breaks my mm -hmm. heart when I sit and see peers that are not intentional about their hiring break down in tears because they're missing out on so much business because they don't have mm -hmm. the right people. Yeah. Well, they weren't intentional about it. You've got to do it. Here's the fascinating thing, Torlando. This, this was amazing. Just yesterday, CEO of Walmart. I always, I always look for the interviews on CNBC or these big media outlets, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the CEOs, because I want to hear what they say about people. He said they're fully employed. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have so much pain in the marketplace about we can't hire, we can't hire, we can't hire. And then the Walmart CEO and then the Target CEO four hours later comes out and goes, yeah, we're actually pretty good. We're fully employed. Even for the holiday seasons, our temporals, we're feeling really good about things. Yeah. That's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. How? The biggest employer in the America, maybe Amazon, they go back and forth. But Walmart saying, yeah, we're fully employed. Yeah. Guess what about people? the, what about the great resignation? What about, you know, exactly. they're yeah. telling their story, right? They're finding a way to be disruptive and tell people. So people that are saying, I can't find people, it's impossible to hire. No, it's not. There's still a lot of people looking for work and, uh, and you just have to be intentional about it. Got it. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Ryan, uh, tell us, tell us a little bit more about, uh, tell us more about Viva HR and, and what you guys do. And, and, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the show here. Yeah. I, well, first and foremost, thanks for letting me be on here. I'm so passionate about people and employment. This is, this is always a fun topic. I know yeah. it can get a little hairy, a little, a little, uh, you know, boring at times, but I'm telling you, this, this is the biggest difference maker between good companies and great companies, right? Mm -hmm, if you go to mm -hmm. Collins world, but um, get the right people on the bus. Viva HR was built for that. So we are a, you know, historically job posting software was for mm -hmm. enterprise level companies. It was 60, 80, hundred thousand dollars a year just to get your feet wet with this software. We wanted to break through that. So we built a product. My background's in digital marketing and tech. And I was able to bring in my team and say, let's build a job posting talent management software for small businesses. Mm -hmm. It's priced affordably. It's month to month. It gives people flexibility. But most importantly is it gives them the systems and tools to really simplify their hiring experience. And, and that's ultimately what VVHR is. We, we, we really wanted to bring companies to life mm -hmm. by attracting better people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we published all those job sites, the Google for jobs, indeed, and everything else. And, and we do it in organic fashion. So people don't have to pay per click and sponsor things. It, it just, it's an organic publisher. Mm, okay. And, uh, and that, and that definitely helps small businesses, especially ones on a budget. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, if you guys want to know more about Viva HR, go to vivahr.com and uh, check out their their tool. I took a look at it. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome. And uh, and so I think that you guys should use it. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, appreciate your time with us, man. My pleasure. Thanks so much. 
All right. Well, there you have it. Ryan Naylor of Viva HR. Um, good company. Good guy. That was a really great conversation. Um, sincerely, I, you know, I'm with you guys on this hiring stuff, you know, during, uh, you know, during the heavy years of, of my business, when we were scaling up and, and trying to get that help, hiring was always such a pain in the butt. I mean, it just really was difficult. And, you know, we would get some good folks, maybe we'd get a pretty decent, like, employee referral or something like that. Um, but man, I mean, how often, you know, do you train somebody and uh, you put all that effort, you buy, you know, a new, uh, a new satchel for them and all that stuff, and then they don't make it, you know, more than three or four months. Um, it's, it's really difficult. And so uh, I, I recommend, you know, using tools like that, but, but more importantly, um, the process that he laid out of going back to the company culture. Um, you have, you're going to have the time. You're going to have a couple of days here uh, where, where you're going to be uh, less busy. And so you can focus and, and decide this, this next year, what do we want? What do we really want our company culture to look like and, and start to tailor it towards what kind of candidates do we want to attract? What kind of culture do we want to build? Because I'll tell you what, business is, it's easy when you have good people and it's hard when you have bad people. And it, 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 it's really about as simple as that. He talked about telling a story through your job descriptions. He laid, laid those things out. I recommend going back to this episode, going back to that, that section, probably I think it was somewhere around minute 30 or so, uh, where he really started to dial in the section by section, the process of what you need in an actual description. Very smart stuff there. And then in terms of where to publish, uh, where to go, really, really brilliant stuff. So grateful to have him on. Um, that is our show, folks. I'm so glad that uh, that you are uh, listening and staying tuned. Remember um, to go to findapainter.org and update your listing if you're a member. Um, or if you're not a member, uh, go ahead and, and sign up. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty low-cost thing. All episodes of the Paint Edge show are on PCA Overdrive, uh, $5.99 a month for non-members, free for members. Of course, you can always listen to the show on podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, all those things. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the show. We love you. And this has been Paint Ed Podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.